You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Ed, today is the day that I think several fans have been waiting for the showdown between myself and Sylvie of Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000 following my explosion on this show about a week ago. Are you, are you ready for this? Because I feel like some people might be disappointed if it doesn't go the way they want it to go. Oh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be somewhere between the OK Corral and Marty McFly versus Mad Dog Tannen from Back to the Future 3. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be like that. This show and that interview coming up, all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Look, they do all kinds of things. Your window wells, seepage, you got water coming into the basement, you need a new sump pump. They also are doing something for my dad. They're going to be leveling out his concrete patio because what happens is water gets underneath that and all of a sudden everything starts getting crooked and sticky. That's something they do as well. They fix that for you. Oh, that's a good thing to have. There are so many things that Family Waterproofing Solutions can do. Check out what they can do for you at their brand new website, FamilyDry.com. Give them a call. The number's right there on the website. Tell them that Socks in the Basement sent you, and you will pay less. I want to talk a little bit about something going on in Major League Baseball and whether or not it concerns you. I want to talk about this whole thing with the doctoring of baseballs and the fact that Major League Baseball is cracking down because... After so many oddities and weird things happening early on in the season and all these no-hitters and offense being down across the board and spin rates, which would indicate a better grip on the ball from pitchers across the board, going way up. Major League Baseball now saying they're going to start suspending people. And the next thing you know, guys that have been suspected of doing this, namely Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, and others, their first games back, we're seeing much less in terms of RPMs when they're throwing the ball. Much less in spin rate. They're not as effective. So I'm curious if you think there's a possibility we're going to see that from any White Sox pitchers. Yeah, that was the first place my mind went. Well, the second place my mind went because Garrett Cole is the ace of my fantasy baseball staff. So I immediately went, should I have traded him for the next to nothing I was offered last week? You know what? I'll trade you Trevor Bauer for him. Oh, good. We'll just just swap guys with bad (laughs) spin rates now. The White Sox, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and you get somebody like, say, Dylan Cease, who shows improvement this year in his spin rates, and you have to question whether or not that is the mechanical change that Ethan Katz had Cease going through to try and quiet his motion a little bit, get him a little bit more over the ball, and be able to use his body better, his core better. The same thing with Carlos Rodon, where they're trying to get him to engage his lower body and his core better. Because something like that can also help with spin rate. It's not as dramatic as, say, you know, sticking stuff on your hands, but it certainly does, you know, offer some improvement. So if Rodon and C start regressing to what we saw prior to this year from them, that might be an indicator that maybe Ethan Katz and all the stuff that he's doing is really just related to what he has you put on your hand before you go out on the mound. I don't think it's going to be that way, though. You don't, yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case, okay? And the reason I don't think it's going to be the case is I've already seen Dylan Cease take the mound since the whole thing started, where you see Bauer and Cole and everything changing with their numbers so far. 
Cease didn't look any different. In fact, he had a great game. No, yeah, he looked even better than he has. I hope that isn't the case, but it is something to definitely look at. It is something to kind of watch, and it's also something to watch when you're going out and you're targeting pitchers, maybe, that you're going to throw in the bullpen. Is there somebody who's just having a really good year or two in here that might have been using these substances? And, and let's talk real quick about the substances, because I'm curious what your thought is on it. Because I've seen a lot of people compare this to steroid use, and, I, and I'm going to say right now, it's not the same. And the reason it's not the same for me is this. This is a direct response to something Major League Baseball did. Okay, Major League Baseball lowered the seams. Major League Baseball made the ball uh, a little smoother, made it harder to grip. They juiced the baseball, essentially. They are suspected as an organization of trying to inject more offense in by juicing a baseball, right? And now you have a group of employees with millions upon millions of dollars on the line who you're disenfranchising from making those millions who then turned around and said, well, if you're going to doctor the baseball, we're going to doctor it back. So I'm not excusing what pitchers have done. Not at all, okay? But this is like a direct result of something Major League Baseball did. Another example of them screwing things up while they're supposedly trying to make the game greater, trying to make things better. In the process of doing it, they they pretty much invited this upon themselves, and now it's a big, giant mess. So there's that difference with steroids, but I, I think it's also different because this is not something that is even remotely new to the game of baseball. It's just that they've changed what they're putting on the ball, right? But go back through the history. Doctoring baseballs by pitchers has almost been an art in and of itself, and periodically they crack down on it because guys get too good at it, or it becomes a problem where, you know, somebody who's got a really great spitball, for example, you know, uh, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was somebody that Hawk used to say you could actually watch the, the droplets fly off of it. It looked like a sprinkler being turned on when the ball left the guy's hand. But somebody who's got a really good spitter, you know, they eventually said, you got to stop doing that. We can't have you putting spit on the ball, right? Because it was, it was just causing too much havoc. Guys were getting too good with it. They were figuring it out. This is the same kind of thing. You're not supposed to doctor the baseball. Pitchers have historically doctored the baseball. They obviously got really good at it. They figured out a way to disguise it better, whatever it is that they're doing, and baseball figured it out, right? So it's not the same as steroids, where steroids were meant to make super athletes and meant to make it just so that it wasn't about how good you were at the game. It was about the fact that 162 games was never going to wear you down, right? And you could go and lift weights and not be worn down. And you could work out like a madman and turn yourself into the perfect physical baseball machine and not get worn down. That's what the steroids did for people. That's why they were so unfair to people who weren't doing them. And to go a little bit of a step further, Ed, I think that what Major League Baseball has to do is admit that they've kind of looked the other way because it gives pitchers more control so that guys aren't getting beamed left and right. So if you if you want to allow certain substances, look, come up with what they're allowed to use, just like you let pine tar be used on certain portions of the bat and you see it on guys' helmets. Figure out exactly what it is you will allow them to use and then, you know, put it as part of the game. It's fine with me. If part of the game now is because of the way that guys throw baseballs and because of a safety factor, you have to come up with a substance that's not like, you know, crazy, but just something that like allows for some sort of control over the baseball and Major League Baseball implemented it, I'd be absolutely fine with it. I'll tell you one thing, though, before we go to break and get to Mark Silverman. I am concerned now as I think back to that game against the Cardinals where the Cardinals pitcher, the relief pitcher, I want to say it was Gallegos, 
he gets he gets his hat taken away from him. And Mike Schilt goes out to the mound, the Cardinals manager. And this is a game in which Carlos Rodon started. And while he's arguing, he is motioning towards the White Sox dugout. I remember thinking this when it was going on and keep showing his hand going to his other hand, trying to simulate somebody going to their glove over and over again. And I imagined at that moment, it's as if he was saying that somebody's been doing that to him the entire game, but you're going to come after my guy for a hat. And then he skirted around it a little bit in the post game. Now, I don't want to believe that any one of my players could be doing something. But on the other hand, I also believe that every pitcher does it across Major League Baseball on every single team. So I will be very interested to see what happens with Carlos Rodon, especially with this turnaround, now that this is happening. Well, and I think in that moment, there's two things that could have happened there, too. One is, Schilt saw something. He knows where Rodon was keeping his stash. The other thing is, is that Mike Schilt is going out there going, hey, well, their guys are doing it, too, so why can't Mike? You know, and he's throwing the he's throwing the kind of playground I'm explaining why I shouldn't get in trouble because everybody's doing it or like when you go to traffic court and you're like I was just keeping up with the flow of traffic your honor that's why that's I was a real doing thing. 120 and a 45 that's a real thing that's a good excuse yeah it's maybe some of that socks in the basement listeners do the hard work and if you're a hard-working man or woman on the south side you need to be outfitted properly and that's why you should visit red wing shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. About a week ago here on Socks in the Basement, I got a little annoyed and I vented. That's two episodes back on your on-demand list. Remember, you can check out the episode I'm talking about or any episode we've ever done. Everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. I got in the car, flipped on ESPN 1000, and heard the afternoon drive Waddle and Sylvie talking about Cubs and White Sox coverage. And listening to that conversation, I once again felt the sting that I think a lot of White Sox fans feel. We feel like we're not covered enough. We feel like we're always second to the Cubs. We feel like it doesn't matter that we have a team in first place, a team that is arguably one of the best, if not the best, in baseball right now. And we're doing it with some of our best players down, with a manager that just came out of retirement after like 10 years off, with all the different storylines going on, it doesn't matter as long as the Cubs are winning at the same time. And I express that this is why Sox in the Basement exist. This is why you have a plethora of White Sox podcasts that are out there covering this team. And then to his credit, and you have to give him credit, Mark Silverman, one half of Waddle and Sylvie, reached out to this show and said he would like to come on Sox in the Basement and have a conversation, mainly about Sox coverage versus Cubs coverage, in the city of Chicago. Sylvie, how are you? I'm good, Chris. Thanks for having me. And, and, and you know, one thing that I want to say, too, is one reason why I wanted to come on was 
because I'm just like you. I'm I'm just like any fan listening to the pod. Uh, that's all I am. You know, I'm not like Waddle where where I played. I'm just a dude who grew up in the Chicago area who gets to talk about sports every single day. And I like being a part of the fan base in Chicago of other guys who like to talk sports as well. So I think that's what, what makes it great, and that's what makes debate fun. So I guess the, the first thing I'd start off with is, is to ask you, why does it feel like to Sox fans like myself? And I think it is a prevailing feeling that the White Sox are second. They're generally, they end up with less coverage. They're generally talked about less than the Cubs. Uh, that they pretty much have to go and win a World Series to be on the front page or be the topic that gets the most airplay on radio stations around Chicago. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. So, uh, like, going back to our debate about what we were talking about a week ago, and, you know, um, I, I addressed it in the um, Crosstalk Unhinged, and I don't, I don't think you liked it, but you, the, the only thing I was saying about why the Cubs currently are are fascinating in my brain. And the most fascinating story is like the Sox are not, it, it's not that they're not a story or it's not that they're second or it's not that they're playing second fiddle to anybody. It's that just now in the current moment, like take for instance, their last week, they go and they sweep the Padres and then they go and uh, you know, all of a sudden Jeff Passan says they're, they're buyers. And now they go on the West coast and they lose four to five and they could be trading guys who helped win them a World Series. The Sox in August, I mean, even up to July, so let's say at the end of July, the Sox become fascinating. And they are now. And I'm not saying that they're they're not, but, you know, are they going to go out and are they going to add another bat? Do they think Aloy and Robert are going to be back to add? Do they think Mercedes is in for the long haul? Do they need more bullpen arms? Are they happy with the way they are and they're going to just go? And then in September, you know, while Justin Fields is also going to become fascinating, the Sox are going to become, again, in the spotlight where, hey, can they finish the deal on just an unbelievable rebuild from Rick Hahn? So, look, I'm not addressing your your straight-out question right away, and we could get to that. But I just want to do, like, again, I'm not telling Sox fans that you should or are playing second fiddle. I'm just saying as far as the news cycle goes as of that day when we were talking about it, the Cubs were a fascinating story because what the hell is their plan? We know what the White Sox plan is. We've known what the White Sox plan is for the last three to four years. Rick Hahn's done a great job, and now it's time to finish the plan. And I get what you're saying there, although I, I believe when you originally said it on the air, and, and who knows, I'm just a guy who jumps in his car, flips on the radio. It's very different than a podcast. A podcast is 30 minutes long uh, here on Sacks in the Basement and is probably consumed in its entirety. You're doing several hours of live radio in which you might make the point several different ways over the course of an hour, or an hour and a half, or go back to the subject. But when I was listening to it, it seemed as though you were actually saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you were talking about the Cubs being a story into the Bears, and you really didn't have the Sox really being a story or being fascinating until we got to October. And I just felt like there were an awful lot of stories that are going on right now on this team. I get what you're saying about the Cubs being interesting, but on the other hand, like 
like, here, why don't I just give you what my feeling is as a Sox fan? Sure, yeah, let, let me hear. This is what I hear, okay? Like, on the on the day that you addressed what I had said on Sox in the Basement, then you went into, I saw your segment list, and your next hourly segment was about the full capacity and everything going to 100%. And I get it, you know, I mean, clearly, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you're a Cubs fan at, at heart, and that's fine. I'm a Sox fan at heart, and Waddle seems to lean more towards the Cubs, and that's fine, okay? But during that discussion, overwhelmingly, it was what would the Cubs do with 100% capacity? And I would argue Sox fans want to know, what's Jerry Reinsdorf going to do? Because he didn't increase the budget in the offseason. Essentially, everything that came off the books was all Rick Hahn got to use. He basically redistributed money even though his team was ready to take a step. So does full capacity also mean that Rick Hahn might have a little bit more to play with if he goes out and grabs a free agent that has a bigger money contract? Because Reinsdorf did, it was obvious, not really increase the budget. It's something we talked about at great lengths in the in the offseason. But I didn't hear that. I just heard Cub stuff. And I get it. I, I was on the radio out in California once, and I had to pretend to be a Raiders fan. I didn't know anything about the Raiders. I just knew like little anecdotes about it, but I had to pretend that I knew about it. You know, it feels like you, and it's not your fault, but you kind of tend to run towards the Cubs side of it because you're probably more comfortable talking about it. And I'm a Cubs fan. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I, I love what you brought up about Jerry. And I think, and this is where, again, and Chris, you can help me out being a Sox fan yourself and being an outsider. Here's where I think things are different we're brothers when it comes to the bears or like people who grew up rooting for the bears. I'm not sure how big of a bears fan you are, or we're brothers, you know, when we're talking about the bulls or the Blackhawks. but when it comes to the Cubs and Sox, a lot of times, if you bring up a topic, you're an outsider. I've been very passionate on the Tony LaRusso story. I feel like he's never been the right guy for the job. I feel like Rick Hahn is the smartest guy in the room. Rick Hahn built this team. He did it nearly flawlessly with the trades that he made with Washington, with Boston, with the Cubs, and everything like that. And then, like, Sox fans get mad at me, and they're like, dude, what, what's your obsession with Tony LaRusso? Well, look, I'm passionate about it. I talk about what I'm passionate about, but I'm considered an outsider. I think an interesting point on what you just brought up, on the capacity. We know that there's going to be 40,000 people at Wrigley. Are there going to be 40,000 people on the South side? And then, and then Chris, and then I got people, if I bring that up, Hey, how many people are going to start going out now that it's not 60%? Are they going to draw 30? Then people like Sylvie, dude, that's the oldest argument in the book about socks attendance. And a lot of times I feel like, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. And it's like, talk about the socks, talk about the socks, talk about the socks. And it's like, dude, you're an outsider. You shouldn't be talking about the socks. I want to talk about the socks. I sat in that chair on the flagship station in 05 with Carmen DeFalco, who was a Sox fan. I had Cubs fans coming after me. Uh, that was before Twitter, but on the text line. Dude, you're a fake Cubs fan. You're not a real Cubs fan. I have people texting, uh, tweeting me now. In the beginning, we're playing the Mercedes song, Mercedes Boy, at the beginning of the year. And I got Cubs fans saying, dude, you switch sides. No, we're talking about the White Sox, the best team in town, the really the only team that could win a championship. So I'm just saying that sometimes, and again, I don't listen to everybody. I do my job. I talk what I'm passionate about. But I do care what the fans think. I'm a fan to begin with, like I said, and like I think that's why I've been able to to do a show this long in this city for so long is because I don't put myself above anybody. I'm I'm a fan just like you guys, and I talk about what I'm passionate about, and I don't lie about it. 
But I think there's a lot of times, and I, we, we had it a lot with Hawks fans when they started to win too. Talk about the Hawks, talk about the Hawks, talk about the Hawks. Dude, we don't want you on, your ban- on our bandwagon. Dude, you don't know hockey. Well, look, you got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? And, and like, I just think everyone should be welcome right now on the Sox bandwagon. A neighborhood bar, a Southside tradition, your home base for Sox viewing parties. Cork and Carry at the park. 3258 South Princeton Avenue, where they have an incredible menu that includes award-winning burgers, Chicago favorites, wings, beef, pulled pork, mac and cheese, salads, wraps, nachos, and an incredible environment. When I'm getting a drink pre-game or post-game, it's over at Cork and Carry at the park. And in case you didn't know, you can rent the entire bar out for events. That applies not only to Cork and Carry at the park, but you can also book parties at the original Cork and Carry in Beverly. Go to corkandcarryatthepark.com or corkandcarrybeverly.com for more details. Cork and Carry at the park at the corner of 33rd and Princeton, right near the park. We'll see you there. Is there, and, and this this question might be completely out of left field, but I, I've been curious about it. Is there a metric, is there some kind of measurement that uh, that is used in Chicago media where there where you guys see there's just more people that want to hear about one team than the other? Is that just a figment in the imagination of White Sox fans, or is there something that actually you can measure? No, no, that, that, and dude, that is, that is probably as a host, the hardest thing to figure out, especially in this town. I mean, look at everything that we have going and, and everything starting again is what do we talk about today? And that's what we try to have a meeting. And a lot of people, because I'm the driver, always say, Sylvie, you're leading this into a Cubs conversation. We meet, we talk about what we want to talk about. We ask for calls. We, you know, like we've made many fans like, uh, and, and like, that's n- another thing that I will never do on our show. There've been media members in this town who go, well, that dude just has a podcast or that guy just has a blog. Like, well, that's great. Like in my book, that's awesome. The more, the merrier, the more people who are plugged in, it's how I followed my Cubs rebuild is through these bloggers who dove, dove deep because the mainstream media wasn't willing to write about, what was going on in double A and in triple A. And the same thing is how I followed the Sox rebuild. But, but to get to your question, Chris, there is nothing. So it's, it's a mind F sometimes on what to talk about or what is the biggest story. I'm never going to say, you will never hear me say on my show, on our show, Chris, that I have all the answers or I know what people want to talk about. I'm not that guy. Um, So, there is no metric and we try to do the best job that we can. But, you know, a lot of times, yeah, it does skew more towards Cubs fans based on calls or reaction and tweets and things like that. I, first of all, appreciate you jumping on and explaining all that to everybody. And and secondly, I hope you understand the, the angst that White Sox fans have. Uh, you know, we, we do feel as though we're not covered the same way and, and whether or not that's true or false. It's a, it's a real feeling. I think that you probably pick up that's out there. We're hoping that we're going to see uh, uh, at least equal coverage. You know, I mean, uh, at least uh, at least some time periods where we're just uh, waxing about the White Sox on ESPN 1000 and across the Chicago media scale. Yeah, yeah. And look, look, the one thing that we've always done is why we've been on the air for 14 years is, and I think there are a lot of talk show hosts in this city who don't abide by this. I think one of the biggest skills as a talk show host is listening and not talking. And I hear you. 
Look, look, that's why I wanted to pick up the phone and talk to you. I don't dismiss what people have to say. I don't dismiss any sort of passion from any fan base. I've never been a Sox hater. I've never been one of these Cubs fans. I love my Cubs. I am a Cubs fan. I can't change that. But I've never been one of these guys who has hated the Sox fan and like, or Sox fans or the White Sox. Um, I love talking about them, and like I said, I was in that chair in 05 when they won the World Series in Houston, and along the way, and people were saying that you're not real. So just know that this is an open dialogue. Chris, I want you to do the same. I want you to pick up the phone. If you're pissed at me, the only thing that I didn't like is and it didn't come from you, and again, it's what you hear, and you clarified it here. Uh, there's one guy who's a huge, I think he's Sox supporter on Twitter, that he completely lied about what I said. That, that, that the Sox are a non-entity or that the Sox are not a team that we care about. That, it, that could not be further from the truth. And I want, when people are pissed at me, I want them to say, Sylvie, dude, I'm pissed at you and here's why. And let's have a conversation and I'm never going to hang up on you. I'm never going to, you know, uh, say that you don't know what you're talking about because, like I said, deep down, we're all the same because we're all fans. Well, if you ever want to inject a little more uh, White Sox into your in your talking, and you uh, you want some some White Sox fans that are passionate, Ed and I are always available to you, Sylvie. Look, I, I may pick up the phone, so don't big time me, all right? <laughs> and then, like like I said, and I, I I don't know if I tweeted you guys or I, I may have to the uh, pod center. Like my seven year old is so far, he is skewing towards White Sox baseball. And, like, I think this is a great time for the Sox. And maybe if you talked to me five or ten years ago, I would have said, he's not going to be a Sox fan. I'm going to make him a Cubs fan. But my opinion is, if he loves baseball, I don't care who he roots for. If he wants to go to a game with Dad and he wants to be a Sox fan, then we go to the South Side. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we're going to get tickets and we're going to be going to a game now that things are better and things are better with my health. So... Um, again, I'm not, I'm open to it all. And I think it's a great time to be a Sox fan. And, and we, look, we're going to do our best. We're not perfect, but we're listening. That's awesome. And the child shall lead him to the good side. Uh, maybe he'll drag you to a few extra White Sox games. Sylvie, I, I really appreciate you jumping on Sox in the basement. And uh, I look forward to talking to you down the line. Yeah, hopefully there's a start of a good relationship, Chris. And, and, and look, pastor me. Tweet me when you're pissed. I'm, I'm here for it, and I love it, and I love the, the passion from, from the fan base. My thanks to Sylvie for joining us here on Socks in the Basement. That took some guts jumping on a podcast. You didn't need to do that. And in the middle of that interview, you heard all about Cork and Carey at the park over at 33rd and Princeton. I am going to be heading over there a lot in the next couple of weeks, Ed. I've got a couple games I'm heading over to. And uh, I like eating over there. I I love the food choices. I don't think the food choices are as good right now in the ballpark. Maybe it'll get better once we're at 100% capacity, but that menu's great. Those burgers that they have over there, the wide variety of them, wide variety of beer choices and a big giant bar, great place to hang out indoors or outdoors, you know? And I'm just going to get my eat on. There's nothing wrong with going over there and starting your game experience out the right way. You can always pig out at the park anyway, right? I mean, just, you know, pack it on. It's summer. Pack it on. It's summer. That's the new. That's that's what your tagline is. Yeah. My name's Ed. That's my, that's my excuse for not having a beach body and not working out all winter. <laughs> Pack it on. It's summer. All right. So what did you think here? Uh, you know, uh, Sylvie comes on the show, and what I took from that was he he understands that he's a Cubs fan. 
He, he understands that it's difficult as a Cubs fan for him to cover the White Sox. And as I said uh, to him in the interview, Sox in the basement, myself and yourself, we're available anytime he wants an actual fan of the team to come in there and talk about the team on ESPN 1000. I'm available if he wants if he wants to have somebody who covers the team all the time because as he said, he got an awful lot of his information about the White Sox from podcasts like ours. I'm still upset with Chicago media to a degree. I understand there's going to be a lot of Cubs fans that make it in Chicago media. I understand that, like you said, you, you tried to cover the Raiders and, and you didn't know what you were talking about. So I get it. I get it. But at the same time, you know what? If, if he's going to be straight up like that and say, look, I'm going to rely on people who really live and die with this team, people who are really diehard fans, and I'm going to get my information from them, I'm okay with that because that's doing research as far as I'm concerned. I think that the White Sox podcast as a whole, the podcasting community that covers the White Sox, and there's a lot of great ones that are out there, as a whole has covered this team better than Chicago mainstream media has for years now. And what you have is you have an awful lot of mainstream Chicago guys, not all of them, but a lot of mainstream Chicago guys that have never been as invested in this team as we are. And you get some great interviews on them and you get some great talk on them and you get some great analysis on them and you get people that remember what's going on with the team. And I would like to see the Chicago White Sox start to recognize that. Absolutely. I would like to see the Chicago White Sox start to recognize not only us, but other podcasts that are out there that are doing an awful lot of work, you know, open up a little bit. Drop the policy that you currently have, and it is, it's a policy where you're not booking any guests of current players that are on the team for podcast, unless it's the corporate podcast, okay? Unless it's somebody that's put on by the team, they they won't do it, unless you're able to hunt them down like in an alley somewhere and corner them with a microphone. That's pretty much all you can do, all right? I would like to see the White Sox include us a little bit more because we're doing it out here. We're covering a team because we love the team and we care about the team. Anyway, that's my that's it for this 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 saga needs to be over, right? I mean, oh, I, I, it's done. It's done. Look, if we've if we've affected any change here in the Chicago media, which we haven't, but if we've affected any change here, where they're at least aware of the fact that look, Sox fans are out there; they are craving the content, you know, and and they can they can try and find a way to do better. If that means coming to us, sweet, I'm there. If that means, and and you can be there too. But I agree with you though too. I think it's time for the Sox as a team to recognize that they've got passionate enough fans that there's enough of us out there in the White Sox podcast community that we could really have a just a, a, a seriously very cool form of fandom that I don't think a lot of other teams are going to have where you've got coverage and opinions and stuff that is from the fans for the fans and the team could totally participate in that and then I wouldn't have to try and outrun J- Jake Lamb or Danny Mendick in an alleyway and I'm 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 slow because it's summertime and I'm packing it on <laughs> socks in the basement socks in the basement socks in the basement socks in the basement heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com